It's episode 190 of Leading Ladies of Corpus Christi, and I'm sitting in a Zoom meeting with the founder and CEO of the nonprofit Esperanza de Tejas, Brianna J. Davis. Thank you so much for being here with me today. No, thank you for having me. Um, I actually listen to your podcast, so I am very, very honored to be on. Um, You have had some greats on here, so it's just... um, it's fantastic to even be considered in the realm of some of these women who I have looked up to, um, to now be, you know, here speaking with you. So thank you. Absolutely. Okay. So you've always been on my radar, right? And so if you're a listener, you've heard me say, I don't like to just jump in people's DMs asking them to be on. I like to establish a relationship with them first. so I don't feel like I'm trying to get something from them. However, your friend Belinda reached out to me a few weeks ago and said, hey, do you take nominations? Which I, I do. And so she's like, I have to recommend Brianna. And I was like, of course, you know, Brianna. Like, yeah, like she, she's been on my radar. So absolutely. And she just had the <laughs> nicest things to say That's about you. That's actually my mom. She's like my biggest fan. It's, oh, I didn't realize that was your mom. How cool. Yes. Oh, yeah, my, well, shout I, out I, mom. Yeah. Well, she was just She's the amazing. sweetest. She was well, I mean, always looking for ways to like, you should do this. You should do that. So we both listened to your podcast. Oh, my gosh. And yeah. So she was like, oh, my God, I sent her a message. And then she <laughs> responded back like, I think she's going to contact you. She were both so excited. So shout out to mom. I yes. OK, well, that makes because she did not say you were her daughter. OK, like she was very like, <laughs> I have someone to nominate. This is her. Right. Um, and of course, I mean, somebody like you making such a difference in the community. And before we even got got started with the interview, you were telling me about the many hats that you wear. So you're also a member yeah. of the Junior League, Lulac Para Todos, mm-hmm. Tabfi. Um, you do the programming for Big Brothers, Big Sisters. I mean, you're everywhere, right? Plus a full-time mom, yeah. of course. I mean, so has it always been innate in you to want to give back to the community because you are doing it in spades right now? Um, I think growing up, I never foresaw myself like at the place that I am now. So like backstory, um, I had a very troubled, you know, teen years. I I think the last full grade I completed was eighth grade. Um, I, I did, I went to King high school for a bit. I, I got kicked out the first week I was there freshman year. I went to Moody um, that didn't work out. Um, in my youth, I was more focused like on gangbanging, selling drugs, doing drugs, partying. Um, so I never even like foresaw myself like even living past the age of 18. Oh, man. As crazy as that sounds. So um, I think for me, once I got my I got my GED at the age of 18. And Congratulations. I really just yeah. Thank you. I really just. um after that, you know, my my grandparents, they played such a big part in my life. And they they genuinely were like, hey, like, how about you do Delmar? You know, um, I know you like to party so you can do school at night kind of thing, you know, just kind of like enticing me to to do that. And um, I did Delmar for a year. And at that time, I was in a really, really bad and abusive relationship. And I just knew that this guy was no good for me. So I was like, you know what? If I'm ever going to change my lifestyle, if I'm ever going to change just the things that I'm into, I need to leave Corpus for a bit. So on a whim, I applied to University of Houston downtown. I got in. And um, that basically started my higher education journey while I was there. 
I just really, it was like culture shock, you know, Corpus is, is Corpus, you know, compared to Houston. And I didn't have that high school experience. So I genuinely just like immersed myself in anything and everything I could, like I was part of the Black Student Alliance. Um, I joined my sorority, Gamma Alpha Omega. I was part of LULAC. I was part of the psychology club. I was president of the Multicultural Greek Council. Wow. So really there, I, I just really just immersed myself in giving back. And I think what really helped that was my sorority, Gamma Alpha Omega, they weren't your typical like social sorority. They were service-based. And I just met a group of women who were like, look, this is what we do. Like, we love to have fun, but ultimately we give back. And um, there, originally when I was in school, I was a pre-law major. And then from pre-law, I went to um, political science. And then I ended up doing social science. I was like, you know what? I just, I want to work with youth. I want kids to see that there's a way to change their lifestyle to change whatever they're going through and just overcome any adversity that they face. Um, after my bachelor's degree, I think I did what any kind of person does, like what's next. Um, they don't prepare you for that. <laughs> um, yeah. So I was like, um, what do I do? So I actually applied to university of Southern California and I got in, um, by the grace of God, I didn't even have the GPA to get in, but they were just really, really um, kind of in shock. I, I I basically did this two-pager to them, and I try to condense my life and what I've been through and what my um, passion was. And it's actually funny. I found that, um, my personal statement to them a few weeks ago. Oh, really? And, yeah. And in there, I said, you know, my goal one day is to have a nonprofit. And I just want to give back. And I never, I, you know, you kind of just, you know how it is. You kind of just say stuff and you're hoping to get in. Um, <laughs> I do know. Yeah, you're like, you know, I'm going to say whatever. You know, I just want to get into this school. I hear it's top notch. Yes. And um, I got in and they were like, look, we're going to let you come in. You had wonderful letters of recommendation. You're what we consider a, a well-rounded student, even though you don't have the GPA. And they admitted me um, on the basis that I was going to be on academic probation for the first year. And if I was not able to meet their standards of maintaining a 3.0 um, in grad school, then, you know, it was understood that I would be kicked out of the program. And I have a master's of social work from the University of Southern California. Wow. What a story. Also, it's really amazing to me that USC really saw you for who you are. You know, yeah. like you said, because a lot of times they'll just see that number with the GPA and kind of make a call on that. But they really looked at your whole app and everything and saw like, yeah. this woman is going places kind of thing. That is an amazing story. My goodness. I'm, I mean, do you look back on it and you're like, whoa, here I am. With a I nonprofit, do. I didn't think I was going to do. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I sometimes I was just having this conversation with my husband um, Saturday, the day after our gala that we recently had. And I got, you know, Friday was super emotional for me. I think I don't know how many times I cried, but it's just kind of seeing like all your hard work, everything you've gone through. Um, 
just happened come into fruition and it's like wow we like pinch me like am I really am I really living this life that I I prayed for I hoped for I dreamt of kind of thing I am so proud of you right I mean especially going from like you said really not having many priorities associated with like a higher education and a career and that kind of thing in high school to just like literally pulling yourself out of the situation you were in and making a change for yourself. That is so powerful. And something that I wanted to ask you about. So, you you know, you said, you know, you tried the year in Del Mar and like, it really wasn't just working out for you. And you realized like, I have to at least for a bit get out of Corpus. And so you went to Houston and there you immersed yourself. And you're saying it's literally because like you just didn't necessarily have, you know, necessarily people that you spent time with there. So you had no choice but to be like all in at school. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I just really wanted, like, I would hear people talking about, well, you know, when I was in high school, I was part of, you know, student council and this and that. And I was in some things in, in middle school but I didn't get that like full high school experience. So I was like, it's, this is it. This is going to be it for me. And I'm going to make it count. And you sure as hell did. Oh my (laughs) goodness. So you got your bachelor's in Houston and then was Mm -hmm. the USC coursework in California or online? Um, I did. I did a bit in California and then my mom had a massive heart attack, what they call the widow maker. And I came back. And I, I finished virtually online. Very good. And I'm, I'm glad your mom's doing well. That's a tough thing to deal with. My goodness. Yeah. So after you get your master's degree, so I guess you were already in, in Corpus when you finalized the master's degree. No, I was, I was still in Houston. Okay. I you were in Houston. Houston. Okay. Mm-hmm. So when did you decide to make the move back to Corpus or did you like spend some time in Houston? Because I know that you got your degrees in social work. So yeah, so I've been back in Corpus. This will be year six. Okay. So um, I met my husband in college. Um, I was in I was in Houston and doing grad school, and he was finishing up his bachelor's at um, Prairie View A and M, and um, he's in tech. So right after college, he got offered a job in Silicon Valley. Wow. So um, I was like, you know what? I've been away from my family for a bit. Let me do Corpus, you know, for a year. And if we can do long distance and all of that, then, you know, I'll move. So we did San Francisco for a little bit. Then we did Oakland, California. We lived in Dallas and then we came back. Oh, my goodness. So you've been all over. So do you find so not only was and I love Corpus, right? And obviously, like you've established yourself here in Corpus. And thank you for that. But do you find that having lived in different cities and even different states has really given you kind of a broader view of the world and maybe, you know, made you more of the person you are now? Definitely. I would say my time in Oakland was just so eye opening and freeing. And I worked for a nonprofit there called Bay Area Community Services. And I was hired there to start their um, re-entry program. Can you hear the baby? No, I can't. Hi, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I was hired to um, start their re-entry program. And SB 109 had just passed over there. And um, Remind us what SB 109 is. So Senate Bill 109 basically was like, hey, our 
our jails, our prisons, they are overpopulated. Um, and realizing that a lot of these um, people who were in the system, a lot of this could have been alleviated if one, they were having more access to the mental health services that they needed. And two, um, California is very infamous for their three strike rule, right? Mm -hmm. So also like, hey, like before we do this like third strike, could we, you know, get them into housing? Can we get them into a rehabilitation program? Can we get them into um, what have you? Come on. So um, I I was specifically hired to go out there and start from the bottom up. Wow. So I had like a special clearance from Alameda County Sheriff's Office. Um, I was at Santa Rita Jail, which seemed like every day. And if you're not familiar with Santa Rita Jail, look up the Vice episode <laughs> that, um, you know, shows that. And basically, I was an advocate. I would go, I would meet with those that were incarcerated. Um, and I would literally just, I would start off at one wing of the jail and work my way to the other. And I would then go to court hearings and I would advocate and I would go back and forth with judges like, look, release them to me, give me a year, I will get them in such and such program. And if they, if there is any violations, then, you know, it is what it is. But ultimately, let's give them a chance. And at the time, me and my husband were engaged and he would just like freak out because I would get calls like four in the morning, like, hey, we need you down here. We're about to release someone is that program, is that bed available? And I would, you know, I'd go by myself. Um, but one of the things that I loved about them is that they were very client-centered and they did an upside-down approach, meaning they had, like, offices everywhere, like Oakland, um, San Jose, um, you know, different places all over the Bay Area. But the CEO didn't have an office. None of the upper management had an office. And they would just float around. And they would go to these different places that they had, you know, these off satellite offices everywhere. And they were more focused, like, on us, yes. the staff. So they would do, like, wow. bonuses for us. They would have a day where they would all cook for us. And it would be them, you know, cooking and serving us. Um, we had, like, wow. monthly hours. I mean, they were, I cannot, they were the best place that I've ever worked at. Um, amazing and um, well that's because you're amazing I mean look at all the work you would have to do getting up at 4 a.m. and you know uh, being called nonstop and everything I'm so glad that they honored you and how valuable you are yeah they're just they were such a great place to work for and they really um, started my career in forensic mental health um, I was there for a bit and while I was still in Oakland um, I got an offer for a higher paying job and I had never heard of a facility like this, but I worked for a neurobehavioral facility where all of the patients there, it was a locked facility were conserved from the state of California and they had a severe mental illness, um, combined with a traumatic brain injury. Wow. So, um, I was their social services director and I oversaw about over hundred patients there. And um, I had a staff under me and we do interdisciplinary meetings with different psychiatrists, administrators, um, different, you know, people from outside in the community. And it was just it was just eye opening to me. Very eye opening. 
Well, I had no idea. I mean, your experience goes well beyond social work or or maybe just into like the deeper corners of social work that I never even considered, you know, when it comes to, you know, being involved with people who were dealing with the severe brain injuries and, and uh, you know, disabilities associated with that. My goodness. Wow. Okay. Uh, like I said, I always knew you were amazing. But then to hear <laughs> about like all these extra pieces of your life that have ultimately given you I feel like everything you needed to come here and establish something, I am truly blown away by you. My goodness. So, okay, you're back in Corpus, right? You, you've been here about six years. So at the time, was the nonprofit still kind of in the back of your head or were you not even thinking about it? Because I know it didn't technically kick off until 2019, right? So um, I had the idea at the November of 2019, and we did not get our 501c3 status until January of 2020. Um, when I came back here, I worked at um, now what they call the Noise Center for Mental Health and Intellectual Disabilities. And at the time, I was working in adult services, and then I um, was the interim program manager, and I helped them revamp their jail diversion program um and that is you know basically what happened in california here in the county they started realizing that you know the jail is overpopulated it's becoming the new you know mental you know health hospital how can we one alleviate the overpopulation but two make sure that we're giving people you know second chances and ensuring that they have the proper resources that they need to be one healthy you know in, in the mental health sense but also just um live well productive lives so a lot of coordination with the district attorney's office because they would have to you know um approve yes no in regards to you know letting sentences go did they you know fulfill these requirements and then from there once they got the program up and running i moved to their tacomi program for their continuity of care. So anyone who was released from the Texas Department of Criminal Justice um, and they were going to be back here in Corpus and they had a severe or persistent mental health um, diagnosis, they would come and see me. And then I would then get them into the proper level of care that they needed, get them in front of the doctor, link them to resources. And I love that job. I mean, we I would work with the mental health probation unit um, the, per, you know, pro, parole officers. Um, but I think there is where I really, really started focusing on Esperanza. Um, I remember one day just, I called this other nonprofit and maybe a few weeks prior, I saw that they had got like a hundred thousand, you know, from, I don't know where, some grant or some county or state funding. And I called them because I needed, um, a bed for a client and they were like, oh no, no. They don't have their ID. They don't this, they don't that. And I'm just like, wait, what? Yeah. And just the frustration of calling so many agencies and organizations and me being able to come home, sleep in my bed, have a roof over my head. Like, what am I doing? I'm spinning my wheels. And, you know, if anyone's familiar with Haslow's hierarchy of needs, if someone doesn't have like, a bed to to sleep in or they don't have food on their table yep. are they really going to be worried about making a doctor's appointment yep. taking their mental health medication like no basic needs need to be met yes. before we can focus on you know the higher needs 
So um, thank you for referencing that, because if anybody's listening to this and hasn't seen it, that is an excellent reference to showcase. Once these basic needs are met, then people can focus on the next level and then the next level, next level and so forth. But until then, they're not going to escalate. Thank you for that. Often People just want them to do like this big leap and they don't understand that it's baby steps and those baby steps need to be celebrated. Yes. So at the time I was working with Dr. Lucent, um, he's, He's one of the people that I consider a mentor. Um, He's an amazing psychiatrist here in the Coastal Bend. And one day me and him were having lunch and I was like, Doc, I can't do this no more. He's like, what do you mean? I was like, I can't. Like every day I feel defeated. And he's like, no, but we're doing the work. And I'm like, you're doing the work. Like you're the psychiatrist. You're, you know, you're meeting these medication needs and these mental health needs. But these basic needs that I'm supposed to meet and link them in the community, I'm always like met with such, you know, red tape and such like pushback. And it's so frustrating. So um, at the time, like my husband was still in tech and we hadn't been living together for a year and a half because he would work on this app here, this app there. So we would just kind of do long distance and I would go visit him and vice versa. So um, Taryn De La Rosa, who's now my board chair, I just really, really like on social media, I'm one of those, like, I don't know why more women are not like this, but if I see someone that I like, who's like giving back or just is a boss in in their own right, um, I like to just, you know, slide in their DMs. I'm like, hey, what's up, girl? So um, I literally did that. And I was like, look, I really love like this women empowerment, this stuff that you, you know, post on social media and we meet like, I love a good brunch. So we met and I was telling her, you know, my vision. And I was like, I want to call this nonprofit Esperanza de Tejas. And she was like, why? And I was like, cause 10 years from now, we're going to be all over Texas. We're going to literally be that hope for Texas. And, you know, of course we were a few mimosas in (laughs) and she was like, yeah, you know, do it. If you do it, I am like, I'm all behind you. And that really just kind of um, planted the seed for our friendship. And I remember one day being at work again, and I was just like, this is it for me. I called my husband from the restroom and I was like, hey, remember how I told you, like, I couldn't get time off to go see you? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, well, I'm about to be unemployed. Like, I just put in my two weeks. Wow. And it's now or never. And that's what happened. I quit my job in November of 2019. I started Esperanza January 2020. We got our 501c3 status. And then we all know what happened after that. Wow. My goodness. (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, I I was about to say, I mean, do you know? Well, yeah, of course you do. But the guts it takes to be like, you know, it's time for me to pursue what I'm really passionate about. Um, it's It's time to like you know, take the leap of faith and you did it and you flew. It's just, oh my gosh. Yeah. The timing was not lost on me that you got your 401c, uh, in January, 2020. So you're like, yes. All right. The ball is rolling. And then boom, pandemic hits. What March, I guess is when things started going down. Yeah. Yeah. So what happened to you then? Cause you, you were just kicking off. So, I mean, not just kicking off, you've been working for a little bit, but like what happened to you at that point? So we had like a game plan, like, okay, my husband has a wonderful job. Okay. I can, we can live off of his salary 
and pandemic hits like he's he's a contracted worker um he gets furloughed then it turns into being laid off and then you know i think what everyone else was doing during the pandemic they're bored next thing i know i'm pregnant with twins <laughs> uh, so you know i i don't have a job like that husband got laid off i just you know started a nonprofit and now i'm not having one but two babies wild I, it's because yeah god knew you could handle it okay you know everyone tells me that and i'm just like ah <laughs> but you know um i think for that first year of having esperanza we just did a lot of triage in our community um trying to meet that need wherever we saw it we gave out masks you know, hygiene items, feminine um, hygiene items, um, hand sanitizer, food. Um, I remember me and my husband literally spending all day um, delivering produce. We had partnered with CC Produce and we had people sign up and we went from here to Robstown just delivering, Wow! you know, um, these items to families in need. Um we, we did Easter baskets for that first Easter that everyone couldn't, you know, be together. And we left them at, at kids' doorsteps, all of that for free. So we were either just trying to bring hope to people or just meet those basic needs. Um, then I had the twins. And when I had the twins, it really just made me realize, like, how are some of these families doing it? Like, I'm fortunate enough to have such a group of people who championed behind me and helped me. Um, you know, my parents, they're, they're always just like, Hey, I'm in the neighborhood. Here's some diapers and wipes or, you know, Hey, um, I'm in the neighborhood again. Let me bring some snacks over for the kids. You know, they, they cannot go a day without seeing my kids. <laughs> um, yeah, they're those kind of grandparents. I, I love, love it. it, but I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I have my husband, I have my, my parents, I have my sister, my brother, aunts, uncles, um, you know, even when I had my babies, you know, my junior league sisters, my sorority sisters, just so many people that just, you know, showered us with love and support. But then there's people out here who, who don't have that. Um, so it really got my wheels churning. And then I met Marilena. She um, is the founder, her and Eli, of the free store Corpus Christi. And they focus on, you know, um, providing those basic necessities to our houseless brothers and sisters out in the community. And at the time, they were doing it twice a month. Now they do it once a month. And they do a pop-up at South Bluff Park called the Free Store. They call it a family picnic. And after, you know, the COVID kind of era, era they're seeing, you know, these kids coming and they're being raised by their grandparents, their aunt and uncle their oldest sibling. So Esperanza had already got established with some, you know, local schools and, and doing work with youth. And they were like, how about a children's free store? Mm -hmm. And I said, let's do it. And that's how we established um, the children's free store and the diaper bank. Um, because seeing the need with me having to buy two of everything and seeing these yes. kids come out um, every two weeks just to get clothes and a hot meal I was like, no, we got to do something. Um, and then we, you know, because of my background in school and, and you know, just the trials and tribulations that I faced as a youth, 
I wanted to do the Amori Esperanza Scholarship Fund. Yes, I and love that. Out, yeah, we just gave out our inaugural scholarships on Friday to our first four students. So I couldn't even, I feel like a proud mother. Yes. Like, oh my gosh. Like, yeah. Like, I'm just like, I can't rant and rave enough about these kids. And you know, I, I wasn't the best student. I missed a lot of school. I was always skipping or up to no good. So I wanted to do something different. So these kids volunteered with us and they saw what we did out in the community. I would show them the data like, okay, you see based off these numbers with this distribution we had, the next one, I need size five diapers mm-hmm. or I need this or I need that. And then just really like doing resume writing with them, interview skills. So important. Um, yeah, teaching them what it is to be a community leader. We have a philosophy called Amori Esperanza, Love and Hope. Mm-hmm. And just basically like instilling that into them and also like teaching them like, I don't care where you go to school at, you know, yep. um, our, our scholarship, you're able to do two-year, four-year vocational, technical, whatever. As long as you're in, in school, we, we pay the $600 to the institution, but instilling them like, I want y'all to come back in some form or capacity, come back, give back, and you it then teach the next generation of children. Yes. Um, that is so, so beautiful. My yeah. goodness. Yeah. So we do that and we do like a, um, a yearly leadership summit where we teach kids, you know, soft and hard skills like financial literacy, um, the resume writing, interview skills. Um, Literally, like? those three things are so critical especially what was it you said financial planning huge huge so thank you for that that's major and then just like what is it to be an authentic leader i like to call myself an educated chola people laugh (laughs) you know but you're keeping um, it real yeah but i starting esperanza it has shown me that not everyone gets a seat at the table before I've gotten some of these yeses, I've gotten a million no's. Mm-hmm. People have told me I'm too hood or I'm too ethnic or I'm just, I'm, I'm too blunt. You know, I'm not everyone's cup of tea and that's perfectly fine. Right. However, you're mine. if you're not going to give me, yeah, if you're not going to give me a seat at the table, I'm going to make one of my own. And at my table, everyone has a seat. Yes. Um. So just also teaching them, just be you. Be unapologetically you. Yes. Um, and teaching them that no matter where they come from, anything is possible. I mean, anything. I mean, the sky is not even the limit. We can go beyond the sky. And, I mean, you're um, living proof of this. You know what I mean? Um, and I also want to say you're telling them now when they're young, like be yourself, be authentically you, be unapologetically authentically you is I mean, you keep dropping gems this whole conversation because these are things I don't feel like were emphasized enough when I was growing up, you know? Not that they didn't want you to be yourself, but they didn't tell you to be yourself. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but this right here is just so, so important for young people to hear right now so they don't feel like they need to fit into some kind of mold, you know, and that kind of thing. I mean, it's literally you being who you are that has established everything that you've done, you know? It's just amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the kids and their families have literally have become like family to us. I mean, I, I feel like just like a proud extend extended mom, you know, and, um, out of all of our scholarship recipients, one's a senior, 
um, two are juniors and one's a sophomore. And we're hoping, I just applied for some funding, that what we're going to be doing next is, um, you know, God willing, this funding comes through, is we're going to be now able to pay for actual college applications and have someone there to sit with them and do the college application with them and help them through that process. Because imagine a child who has like, these dreams of applying to like 10 schools, right? Mm-hmm. 50, 60 bucks a pop. Yes. You know, that add, that adds up. For sure. So why are we why are we limiting our youth and their dreams just because they might not be able to afford it? Yes. Um so I just want them I just want them to know that like these kids are literally our future. These are our future, you know, game changers. Are uh, the kids that are going to be making policies the kids who might be, you know, the one doing surgery on us one day, or they might find the cure for something. So why not cultivate them and help them grow right now? So, um, you know, that's what we do. And then we also have our gardens of hope. Yes. I, I'm we, glad you brought this up. I'd so, I'm very curious about it. Yeah. So our gardens of hope, I think we all saw during COVID the need for self-sustainability when you're going to like the grocery store and there's like nothing on your shelves. Yes. Um, and my mental health background, um, not only does our gardens of hope ex- expose our families and children to STEM and STEM opportunities, but also the social emotional aspect of it. When you're out there, you know, you're gardening, the sun hits you, you have like that natural release of like serotonin and, you know, it's a way for, especially our youth to find a way to self-regulate. Um, so my hope is we have, we're going to be starting it with one pilot school um, coming up, but that we have these at each school. So instead of like, I was that kid that was always getting like suspended or sent to ISS or what have you, you know, instead of doing that, like, why don't we send the kid to the garden? Mm-hmm. And why don't we have them plant something? Yes. And why don't we have them um, follow, you know, from from planting to, you know, actually it sprouting to it becoming something? Because that's just a way of us showing us showing them how to self-regulate their emotions. But also they're they're not realizing that they're learning. Right. You know? Yes. Um, and then the idea is, is if it's produce having that school do like a little farmer's market and being able to give that back. Yes. Um, oh my gosh. It, I mean, it's like full mm-hmm. circle kind of thing, the way you're thinking, like this is a very yeah. viable option for schools. Yeah. And, and, you know, um, that's basically Esperanza. We want to meet people's basic needs. Um, we want to make sure that we're just providing the children and families that we serve with each and every opportunity that that we're able to. And then, you know, at our our children's free store pop-ups, um, we invite other organizations to bridge that gap. Yeah. So tell me think, more about these children's free stores. So it's Yeah. So like what's what's there and like who who comes? You know what I mean? Like who's welcome to come? Yeah. So like on April twenty second, we're having um, our kickoff, we just got some funding from Driscoll Health Plan. So with their funding, we're going to not only be able to continue in Nueces County, but we're expanding our children's free store and diaper bank 
to Aransas, Clayburg, Jim Wells, Oh my goodness. And, and Webb County. So we'll literally be serving South Texas. Yes. Um, and these are open to the public. And we have other community organizations come out. So like for the 22nd, we have NAMI coming out, Big Brothers, Big Sisters, MHP Salud. Um, we just created a partnership with the Traveling Library. Yes, so shout out Traveling yeah. Library. So within the counties that they're able to go to, they'll be, you know, going to these events with us and providing the literacy component. Um, so basically any organization that's interested in partnering with us and just tabling and and letting the community know about their services, we welcome them. Very good. And I mean, so when you say it's a free store, it's literally, you know, they go up there and it's get whatever free. y'all we have to offer. Diapers, wipes, clothing. Okay. Um, it just depends on what we have in donations. Um, if we have a crib, we'll give that out. Um, stuffed animals, we give out snack packs, sippy cups, bottles. Formula has been kind of rough. Right. You know, there's such a shortage right now. Yes. But when there isn't a shortage, we give that out as well. Very good. Wow. So on the website, which for anybody who's listening, it's esperanzadetejas.org. So these are your community initiatives, right? So it's the Garden of Hope, the Children's Free Store, and then the Leadership and Scholarship Opportunities, right? Mm -hmm. So is it possible for people to get involved with these in some sort of way? Um, You know, whether it's community initiatives specifically or to volunteer with your group? Oh, we're always looking for volunteers. Always. There's such a need. Um, you know, I, it's usually me, my husband and my board. I was going to say, um, yeah, on the website, you're the only under the team, meet the team. It's just you. And then you have your board of directors, which is a whole group, but you're the team essentially. <laughs> I am. Yeah. It's, it's me and them. Yes. Um, and my husband's like our volunteer of the year. <laughs> and then we have, um, another dedicated volunteer, Mr. R. Terry Cooper, who's like at every free store that we have. Um, we just recognized him. He's done about over 200 service hours with us. Wow. Um, yeah, he's very dedicated. Sometimes he's there before I even get there, like just ready to go. I love that. Um, but yeah, we're the team. Um, we're going to be having a grand opening soon for our office location. So I'm hoping with the new office location, um, we'll be able to get some more team members and some interns and, and things like that. But yeah, basically when it comes down to it, I am, I'm, I'm a team. Yeah, no, I, I, I knew that you were a go-getter, but to see that on the website, like I cracked up a little cause I'm like, yes, like she is literally just wearing all these hats. So there's a way for people to sign up to be volunteers on the website. Right. And so from yes. there, does it kind of ask like, what's the process I guess, whenever you're applying to be a volunteer? So you just will we'll have the volunteer opportunities up there. You can pick which one or all of them that you're interested in volunteering for. Um, my board chair, Taryn De La Rosa, who has a background in, in HR, she'll give you a call. Um, sometimes it's myself if she's not available. Get some more information from you. We'll do a Zoom meeting to debrief you and let you know um, what the day is going to look like, what time to, to show up give you some more background on the program that you're going to be volunteering for if you're not familiar with the services that we provide. And then um, just the day of, you know, we go. Um, and with like our children's free store, it's 
now that we're partnering with Driscoll, get, capturing that data has been a lot more easier because mm-hmm. they create like a text code for us and all of that. Oh, good. But basically, yeah. So basically, all you're really doing is just if you're doing like the scholarship fund, you know, whether it be you're volunteering to present, then that's what you'll do. Mm-hmm. Or if you're volunteering to help with setup, that's what you do. But when it comes to like the children's free store and the diaper bank, you're basically just helping the families. Like if they say, okay, I need laundry detergent. You'll, you'll grab that for them right? Or, you, or you'll be assigned to one family and you walk with them and grab what they need. Um, they'll say, Hey, I have three kids. These are their sizes. And we'll, they'll say, Hey, to the next person, I need size two, two T pull-ups, size seven and three things of wipes. And that's basically like, it's nothing like, Oh my God, you know, when it comes to volunteering. And it's also like, it's also a good time. We try and make it fun um and it's also rewarding like yes you know these families these kids like the things that you hear like oh you know we're gonna be able to wash clothes or you know the last one that we had we had a 13 year old girl and she had i think the baby was six months and she was already pregnant again oh wow yeah and just hearing like i she was so happy that she got clothes her kids got clothes. She got diapers and wipes and just like, thank you. Like, thank you so much. I didn't know what I was going to do. Like my parents don't even want me like at their house. Like I oh. I'm mistaken, her aunt, you know, brought her, but just, you know, stuff like that, hearing and meeting um, people and hearing their stories. Like that's what keeps me motivated. Like even when I'm like just tired, I'm just like, Oh man, I don't know if I can continue like right. at this pace. But then you see it. I see it firsthand. Like, there is not one event that I'm not at for Esperanza. So um, the love and the hope that we try and give out, I don't even think that the people that we serve realize that they give me that back. I can tell by the look on your face, like, how passionate you are. Um, I mean, the what you have created and given to the community is just absolutely invaluable. And you're expanding beyond Nueces County. I mean, think about it. You know, it's it's amazing. Like, you're literally changing our community. Whenever people are frustrated with the ways of the world, you know, look at what Brianna's doing. You know, here she is. She's making a difference here where she has influence. Like, that is so incredibly powerful. Um, and something I've been meaning to say, but have just been so caught up in your story is that you have taken everything you've seen, everything you've been through, and you have transformed it in a way that you're able to learn and then pass on your knowledge. And not only that, but pass on resources to the community. You are incredibly valuable and rare. A lot of people having been you know, having experienced what you've experienced and seen the things you've seen, especially with in the mental health area and all that kind of stuff can end up becoming really hardened and and not wanting to put themselves out there anymore. But you put yourself out there even more and you took all that knowledge and created this. I'm just, like I said, you don't come across people like you very often. It, we are so incredibly lucky to have you. My goodness. And in addition to all these things you created, you actually got to have your first fundraising gala. Uh, what was it like a week ago? Less than a week ago? No, it was it was last Friday. Wild. Okay, so tell me about it. It was called Noche de Amor. 
Yeah. Okay, so uh, tell me about it. Yes. Uh, We had it at the Bay Jewel. Um, I was just, I was floored by the amount of support and love that we got. Um, Fortunate enough, like I said, Dr. Lucens is one of my mentors. And fun fact, his wife, Dr. Omani, she delivered my twin. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So um, they're... Their businesses, 361 Beauty and 361 Wellness, they were our presenting sponsors. And once again, when I came to him, like, hey, I have this idea. And he's like, do I write you a check? Like, what, what do I have to do? You know, he's he's that kind of guy. They're the, they are those kind of people. Like, mm-hmm. And they love you and they take you under, like, their wing. Like, they're all in. That's beautiful. And then, like... The businesses, like my, of course, my junior league sisters, like they had like two tables. Um, one of my other junior league sisters, Amy Cooley, she has an, a nonprofit called Be Like Gabe. They had a table. The Better Business Bureau, Tappy had a table. Um, I'm part of the Black Chamber. They had a table, and um, you know, my board members, they were just like, we're all in. You know, like all of them had for their respective businesses tables as well, and. I remember Renee from the Bay Jewel calling me like, Brianna, you originally said 17 tables, like not 26. Like you oversold. Like I, we have never had that many people here at the Bay Jewel. And I mean, it was, I'm still like on this like cloud nine. Um, It was everything that I dreamed of and more. Um, you literally felt the love that night and we exceeded my goal um, in regards to fundraising that night besides buying tables you know people came out of pocket just to do donations and and just to you know bid on silent auction items and I mean it was just amazing and my board's like all right you ready we're gonna this is a yearly thing now yes kind of like let's fill it out let's see how it goes and I think one of the takeaways that I took, like I said, being my authentic self, I spoke there. And a lot of the people that, you know, you don't just go up to people and say, hey, my name's Brianna. I used to be an, an old gang member. I used to do this, this, and that, you know? <laughs> so, you know, kind of talking about my story there, um, a lot of people were like, "We, I had no idea. Like, I, I just, I had no idea. Oh, my God, you know? Um, so it was just so nice to see, like, have my parents there, have my husband there. Yes, wow. Some people that I call my sandbox that I've known since I was like 10, 11 years old. Um, my sorority sisters came down from Houston um, just to have like so many people that have seen me through different aspects in my life, through different time periods, be able to like celebrate and see my growth um, just meant the world to me. And just for people to really realize what Esperanza is doing I feel like we're a hidden gem yes um often my board's like you're just, you don't you don't like scream from the rooftops all that you do and I'm like that's just not me like I'm I don't do it for like a pat on the back I don't do it for like accolades I do it because like that's just that's Brianna um when you see so, that it needs to be done so you're gonna do it yeah period yeah I, I I, I, one thing my mom always told me is like, don't talk the talk, walk the walk. Like, you know, you, you need to walk it. And that's, that's something that I live by. Like, I'm not just going to, um, words are just 
empty promises until you actually walk that walk. Yeah. So for it was just it was an amazing night, and I'm looking forward to doing it again next year. Um, we're gonna, you know, we're kind of like in blackout mode resting right now, but then we're going to hit it full force and start planning for next year. And it was amazing because Driscoll presented us with our check there and they were there to celebrate with us as well. And, um, you know, you know, God willing, this is just the beginning of a wonderful partnership with them. Oh, I have no doubt. And and I actually wanted to ask about planning for the next one, but I'm like, okay, like, you know, maybe don't ask, but you talked about it, so I'm going to. So for people who are interested in becoming sponsors and that kind of thing, what should they keep an eye out for or who should they get in contact with, you know, before the next gala? Contact myself or my treasurer, Paul Avila. Um, he's Paul the numbers guy. Um, and... Um, just let us know. We're going to, once we solidify a date, we're going to give us a date. And, um, you know, we're ready. We have our packet ready to go. We're just trying to figure out a date so we can get that going for next year. Um, you know, our goal is just to raise as much money as possible. Um, I think people have a misconception when it comes to, like, these kinds of stuff. But I actually volunteer my time to Esperanza. Well, actually, I'm, um, I'm curious. Yeah, like like what misconception are you talking about? But you, you just said it. So, like, that the money's going to go to, like, me. Yeah. Um, because I don't get paid. I Like I said, I just volunteer my time. Um, I actually, I, I do the programming for Big Brothers Big Sisters. So that is, like, my nine to five. And um, I'm their master level social worker. And um, so Esperanza is just, like, my love letter to the community. And it's just a way for me to give back. Now, am I hoping eventually, you know, will I get paid from Esperanza? Yes. But right now, for me to feel like we're well established, I want all of that money to go back into the people that we serve, yes. the community, and the programs. Absolutely. No, that's huge. So in addition to your website, which, as I mentioned before, is EsperanzaDeTejas.org, is that the best way to get a hold of you and everybody else? Or are there other ways you yeah, want people to reach out? There's, we have our Facebook page, our Instagram. It's Esperanza de Tejas. Um, it's usually me or one of my team members. We're pretty responsive. And, um, you know, my email address is on there. Um, the number that you see on our website, like that's my personal number. Anyone, oh, wow. Yeah. Anyone, like any client that we serve, any child, anyone, they have direct access to me um, because this is my baby and I want to know what's going on at all times. <laughs> I want to make, yeah. And I want to make sure that, you know, um, I'm just a, a, I'm a chaotic perfectionist because I don't think I'm like super organized, but I like thrive in like the chaos of things. And I just want to make sure that people's needs are being met. And above all, people are being treated with dignity and respect when they come and get services from us. That's beautiful. So I have a question for you. If you could go back and talk to your younger self, the one who was kind of wayward and unsure of what she was going to do, what would you say to her? It's going to be okay. I think, like, thinking back of nights where, like, you're just having, like, these dark thoughts and you don't know what's going to happen, um, it's all going to be okay. Like, 
I, I literally just posted something on Facebook today talking about, you know, growth and a lot of people fixate like, oh, so-and-so has been a prison. Oh, so-and-so is an ex-gang member. Oh, so-and-so used to be a cheater or they used to this, they used to that. Like, but people grow. Yep. Like people genuinely grow. So why are we fixating on the past? You should be looking at the person who's in front of you. And um, I remember doing my speech at the gala and my husband's like, man, babe, I didn't know you were going to be that raw. But like I told him, I have, I'm not ashamed of who I once was because if it wasn't for that Brianna, I wouldn't be the Brianna that I am today. And for that, I'm extremely grateful. Oh God, man, that is just like so powerful right there. Um, Everything you just said, I've, uh, couldn't agree more, especially, you know, why are we always going to remind people of the mistakes that they've made? Why are we going to keep reminding them of it? I just can't get on board with it. Remember in high school when you were 18 and you were a jerk to so like, why would you do that? You know, um, I value your point of view and we need more people like you in the world. I mean, absolutely. You know, and your willingness to go up there and tell everybody, you know, where you were and, and, you know, how you got out of it and, and here you are and that you're not ashamed you know, I hope all of us can get to that point. You know, I still look back on old Britney and cringe a little bit. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I admire you. I mean, in so many ways, but, but this way is like the cherry on top. Brianna, I think you're absolutely incredible. Thank you so much for being here with me. Your nonprofit Esperanza de Tejas is just everything we've been needing. Um, for anybody listening, if you haven't checked out the website, please do check out their Instagram, check out their Facebook. And if you're interested in volunteering or sponsoring, or you know somebody who's interested, please give them the information. And Brianna, I just can't wait to see your nonprofit continue to flourish. Oh, thank you so much. And I appreciate it. And thank you for, for what you're doing. Um, I think often when we think of like leaders, um, society often thinks of men. And um, like I said, I've been listening to your podcast and following it. And we've, we have so many wonderful women here in the Coastal Bend. Yes. So many wonderful women who are genuinely putting in the work, who genuinely want to see our community thrive and be a better place. So thank you for putting the spotlight because um, if it wasn't for people like you and, you know, like, like Barbie, she's one of, Yes. Anytime I'm like, hey, can I can I get on Domingo? Yes. You know, Shout out Barbie. Certain, yeah, there's just certain, you know, other women here in the community who are like, let's just uplift you. Like, let's let's get your story out there. Yes. So thank you so much for what you're doing because it's it's definitely needed. Absolutely. I mean, women like you make it easy. There's no shortage, like you said. And I barely scratched the surface. This podcast could go on indefinitely. Um, and again, it's because it, and people like you and your willingness to keep it here in the coastal bend. That's really big to me because your skills, you could take it anywhere. Really. You could establish something like this anywhere, but the fact that you came back to your hometown and decided to bring it here, um, really speaks to me and to my heart. So thank you so much, Brianna. Oh, thank you so much.